Welcome to the SUMC Podcast, where I hope to encourage you towards life and church revitalization, and I'm your unofficial source for revitalization within what is still the local UMC. This is because I serve within the United Methodist Church and have seen an across-the-board issue of discipleship and seek to use the knowledge that I have, and more importantly, what I'm learning on my own journey. For those of you who may have been struggling for years or perhaps are just starting out, might have some ideas or don't know what to do. So let's walk this journey together. Now, so far, we've done a lot of groundwork of all the parts of the, the discipleship process and looked at some things to consider for what it might take to get started. But before anything can really happen, the main mover of all this, and I assume you might be you who are listening, needs to be uh, centered. So if we look at any gospel... And any writing in the, in the Bible will see that things start off with Jesus' ministry, then there are complications, then what looks like defeat, but then victory. So we should expect the same with our discipleship processes and really any ministry that flows through it for that matter. So we need to really make sure that we're centered. And where our, our center is, that's where we're going to stri- uh, find our strength from. Now as a reminder... Connection happens at any point in your discipleship process. Connection also means an invitation to the next thing, whether it be continued conversation, as I alluded to in previous podcasts, but more especially the next event or sermon series coming up. So I want that to be a constant reminder when you're thinking about your discipleship process. So, and today, what I want to talk about is getting personal. What do you need to be doing so as to help you lead and facilitate this process. So if you're listening to this, I'm assuming that you're a leader in this or you're somebody that really wants to get going with discipleship in your church and is looking for direction. So today I really want to focus and hone in on you. So the first thing to think about is consider the cost. Just like with discipleship and considering the cost of following Jesus, You need to consider the cost of what it's going to take to revitalize your church. You know it's not going to be easy. You know it's not going to happen in a year or two. It's going to take a long time. Because what you're doing is you're changing the culture and the atmosphere of your church. And it's your church, and that's where you serve God. So you need to consider the cost. So... As you're a leader and you're thinking about these things, you need to consider whether or not you have the staying power to do this. You also know the people in your church, or might be getting to know the people in your church, so you need to look at what might happen, uh, who you might need to talk to beforehand. In other words, don't expect arguments from certain people, but head them off of the path, so to speak, and go to them first and bounce ideas off of them. Also, go to the main people that have those shining eyes or or the heart for what you're doing and talk to them too. The second thing, after considering the cost, is to be real with a timetable in your head. So if you're going into a meeting and you're thinking a discussion's going to take, you know, 10 minutes, well, it's probably going to take an hour and a half to three hours. If you think it's going to take a week, it's going to take a month. If you think it's going to take a month, it's going to take three. If you think it's going to take a few months, it's probably going to take half a year to a year. So, in other words, understand that as you're talking with other people, 
and working around their schedules and also praying for leading of the Holy Spirit, things are just going to take time. There really is no timetable. It's just a matter of what needs to happen next. But I assure you, when you look back on things, it's going to seem like it happened real fast. It's kind of like that with maybe your present state of the church now. You probably think about how things used to be. And then you start thinking about how many years went by. And you're like, wow, I can't believe it's been that long. Well, the same thing happens on the positive end. You look at your church and you say, wow, a lot has happened. And then you look at how long it took, and it might be a little bit longer than you thought. On the other hand, it might have happened a lot quicker than it seemed than when you were first going through it. Good things just take time. Healthy takes time, just like unhealthy takes time. Healthy, though, takes a lot more focused than unhealthy. Our natural bet is unhealthiness. Our natural bet is to just do nothing, and as time flies by. So we have to really be nose to the grindstone and positive things. So that's also part of considering the cost, but be real with the timetable in your head. Uh, it's going to take a while. Number three, you have to understand your two main works. Your two main works in this, as a leader in revitalization, are prayer and focus. And your focus comes out of prayer. Now, everybody talks about prayer needing to be the first thing. Everybody talks about it, and I've said this before. We always talk about it, and yet we never do it. Prayer needs to be the number one thing that you do, and part of prayer is listening. If you're just praying and then going on about your business, you haven't prayed. You've just talked to yourself. Prayer involves listening to God. So however it is that God communicates with you, that's what you need to lean into. Have the conversation with your influencers and your negative people. Get the word out. But if you feel strongly about moving forward with just one thing at a time, then move forward with that one thing. Now, your secondary work is teaching. In addition to prayer and focus, the other thing that you need to do is teach, which means that you've got to have some knowledge of what you're doing and why you're doing it. In other words, why does the local church exist? Well, it exists to make disciples. So learn all about that as much as you can, and then teach it to your people and say, this is why we exist. If we're not making disciples, then we're not being a local church, and keep hammering that home. I mean, do it in nice, positive ways, but also let them know if we want our church to be a church, we have to do God's work. And God's work isn't simply doing programs for the community. All Any other nonprofit can do that. A church is specifically on this earth to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So teach people about that. Learn yourself. Now your tertiary work, your, your third leg of work, so to speak, is to be encouraging. Encourage your people, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're feeling discouraged. Encourage your people because what we're encouraging them towards is God being faithful to us when we're faithful to Him. So if we're focused on making disciples, if we're focused on glorifying His name, if we're focused on ministries in equipping our people to do Bible study themselves, if we're equipping our people to make disciples themselves, if we're equipping our people to be leaders and make 
decisions through prayer in our church to direct the church and where we think it needs to go by the Holy Spirit, you're encouraging. So be encouraging. Be that teacher and be teachable. Pray. Just pray your heart out. Give it all to God and focus. And in that encouragement of, of other people, you'll yourself will be encouraged, but then you'll see what God does. And God's going to do something. So your third work is encouraging. Your second work is teaching. Your first, first work goes together, prayer and focus. Remember that timetable. Just have it in your head. It's not about weeks, months, and years. It's about what's next. And above all, consider the cost. Because you know what? You're going to run out of energy. You're going to run out of ideas. You're, you're going to get tired. You're going to want to give up. But don't. Because all of this is to God's glory, and He's going to carry you through. So it might be beneficial to, to take a journal or, or something or some checklist and, and look at what God has accomplished through you. So if you're a new pastor, get a routine for yourself because once things get going, you can quickly become overwhelmed. And learn to say no, by the way. Don't give yourself a guilt trip. Know what it is that you've been called to do and do it. Don't do all those other things that the saints have been called to do. Your job is to equip the saints, and you don't equip the saints by doing their work for them. So quit guilting yourself or allowing yourself to be guilted and doing all these other things that you're not supposed to be doing. Also, understand that you aren't well, I guess on top of that, you aren't supposed to be doing everything. Your two main works are prayer and focus. The other doing stuff should be with and alongside other people. But you shouldn't be heading things up. They should. You should be saying things like, well, tell me what to do. Tell me what's next. What are your ideas? And if you're one of those type A people that just wants to be a go-getter and wants to just do things, then get another job. You are not to do everything. So prepare yourself ahead of time for saying no to things and do it purposefully. If it's hard for you to do because you're a type A person, but you know God has called you to pulpit ministry, not simply to ministry, God calls all of us to ministry. So if you think you've been called to ministry and then you just landed in the pastor position, rethink where you're at. But if you're really called to be a pastor and you know that you're not supposed to do everything and it's really hard for you to say no, then make that one of your disciplines. And just take a journal uh, entry and, and write down those things and give it to God and watch what he does through other people. Because if you're a control freak, then the church is going to be centered around you. You're going to be the God of that church. And when all these things happen and you leave, they're all going to go away. So don't be your own God in the church. There's too many pastors that are doing that and it just pisses me off. So if you've been there for a while, re-examine why you're still coming to the church. Is there really hope if you commit to a discipleship process? Do you have the critical mass to sustain this, both in people and finances? Now, in my mind, if you have three people, you have critical mass. If you have to sell the church and do other things, fine. You know, church isn't a building. We always say that, but when it comes to it, do you really believe it? I mean, churches of thousands of people started with um, four or five people in a living room doing Bible study. So have that in mind. You only need three or four people to get started. It's just, what are you starting with? What's your focus? What's your target? What are you going to do well? And then what can come out of that is up to the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask yourself the hard question, 
Because the answer to that, and again, back to your centering, the why, is where you're going to draw your energy from. If you really think it could work, you're going to commit to it. If you don't really think it'll work, you're not going to commit in the way that you need to. You're just going to be in survival mode. And you'll eventually give up. Now, if you don't have a pastor, um, things can still be the same. But if you're a lay leader or a leader in the church, even of a ministry or program, you might get the old, who died and made you be in charge? Well, Moses got that too, so you're in good company. So that's your cue, by the way, that you aren't working with a person of peace, so they're not somebody that you need to be talking about this stuff with. Just pray for them and that eventually they'll get on the bus. So find those people who have the same passion to make disciples. Get around them, pray together, read your Bible, talk about what one thing you could do and focus in on. And then examine if you have thick skin to shoulder the resistance from factions that are likely within your church because of a lack of a pastor. Now, I really believe that God will honor the desire to make disciples because he has commissioned us to do just that. It's going to take some serious work, though, work that isn't normally done in most churches because the work is to get people to talk about their faith with other people they don't know in the community and to talk about God and his present kingdom. Unfortunately, we don't know how to do that anymore, and it's ridiculous. We should be leading the charge as Methodists. How we got to this point is annoying. So once you learn how to do that, you have to back up what you say. Then you have to provide a way for people to grow in faith in your church. Because what are you inviting them to? Don't just invite them to a potluck or dinner fundraisers. So much of this, you're going to have to learn by doing. But trust, just trust that God will bring the right resources and the right people at the right time. He will. He will. And you know what? You, you listening to this, are probably one of those people. Imagine what God is going to do through you. And that might feel like a huge weight of responsibility, but it's not because God's doing the work. He's preparing your heart. He's preparing somebody else's heart. He's going to give you the words to say. He's going to give the other person ears to hear. And then you guys are going to come together. You're going to be a temple of the Holy Spirit together where God himself is present. And then through the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to do great and awesome things. But it ain't going to happen overnight. So consider the cost, be real with the timetable in your head, understand that your two main works at the start are prayer and focus, secondary works teaching, third work is encouraging, and go with the grace of God, do the great things that he has called you to do, and press on in this present kingdom until it comes in fullness and we receive Jesus in his glory. Amen.